Hello, and welcome to the Health Equity Forum podcast, hosted by the FDA Office of Minority Health and Health Equity. I'm your host, Rear Admiral Richarde Arojo, the Associate Commissioner for Minority Health and Director of the Office of Minority Health and Health Equity at FDA. This June, the office is proud to join the FDA and HHS in celebrating Pride Month as we continue our work to support and advance the health of LGBTQI communities. In this episode, I will be speaking with Dr. Peter Marks, the director of the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, or CBER, at FDA. The center is responsible for assuring the safety and effectiveness of biological products, including vaccines, allergenic products, blood and blood products, and cellular tissue and gene therapies. Dr. Marks and I will discuss the recent FDA guidance on recommendations for evaluating donor eligibility using individual risk-based questions to reduce the risk of human immunodeficiency virus transmission by blood and blood products. Dr. Marks, welcome to the Health Equity Forum podcast, and thank you so much for being our guest today. Nice to be here today. Thank you. We'll talk more in depth about the recent changes later in this podcast, but I think it might be helpful for our listeners if we first take a step back and examine the history of blood donations. Can you speak about the history of blood donation eligibility requirements? So blood uh, donation eligibility is based on a set of questions, and it's also blood donations are also undergo tests uh, to make sure that the blood is safe. And the tests are actually quite good. But the questions complement those tests to help us make sure that the blood supply is as safe as it possibly can be. Uh, And so um, we've asked questions as part of blood donation for many, many years. And when uh, HIV first came on the scene, we actually didn't know what it was uh, when it first came on the scene. And in 1983, uh, we started to have deferrals based on uh, questions that were asked. Um, Those eventually, uh, once we understood that HIV caused AIDS, turned into a set of questions around deferral for blood donation that focused on men who had sex with men because those were the individuals who were most at risk uh, for HIV. There were also some other groups that were deferred from donating uh, because of the risk of HIV. And over the course of time, those questions were refined somewhat Uh, and they uh, evolved with time from what was an indefinite deferral for men who had sex with men uh, to, in 2015, it progressed to a 12-month deferral based on the available science at that time. And then in 2020, it evolved further to just a three-month deferral because um, the science had shown us that that uh, deferral interval kept the blood safe. So that combination of questions asked plus a very, very good testing system is what has been used to keep the blood safe. Thank you for that background, Dr. Marks. Of course, in May, the FDA finalized new recommendations for assessing blood donor eligibility. Can you tell us about the announcement and provide a quick overview of what has changed? So based on the emerging science, um, we have been able to move to what is now an individual risk assessment. Before, uh, we had to ask essentially men and women different questions. Now we can ask anyone, uh, regardless of their sexual orientation, the same set of questions. And so 
uh, we recommend eliminating the screening questions uh, specific to men ha who have sex with men uh, and to women who have sex with men who have sex with men. And instead, we recommend assessing donor eligibility using the same individual risk-based questions relevant to HIV risk for every donor, regardless of sexual orientation, sex, or gender. After 2020, the FDA facilitated and funded ADVANCE, which stands for Assessing Donor Variability and New Concepts in Eligibility. Can you tell us about the purpose of that study and the results? Yes, thanks. It's a great question. That study was developed by a group of, uh, of organizations, including community organizations, advocacy organizations, some academics, and actually the blood collectors to try to understand whether we could move from a deferral based on time and sexual orientation to one that was an individual risk assessment. And it, it involved examining behavioral and biomarkers of HIV risk uh, in sexually active men who have sex with men to estimate the proportion of the study population who would not be deferred uh, for higher risk sexual behaviors and who might be eligible uh, to donate blood without any deferral. And so the study intended to evaluate the individual risk assessment strategies as an alternative to the time-based uh, deferrals which we had in place for men who have sex with men. And it examined a number of HIV risk factors, uh, such as the uh, number of people who had anal sex and the rates of HIV infection among men who had sex with men uh, who enrolled in the advanced study. And in addition, uh, the study looked at the number of people that were using uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis uh, or post-exposure prophylaxis uh, uh, who were having uh, sex with other men. So men who were using uh, the routine things that we have now, PrEP, uh, to prevent uh, transmission of HIV. That's a really good thing, by the way. We're not, it's really important that people understand that uh, even though PrEP is currently a deferral from uh, donating blood, that is, it's really important that people understand that it is a really good advance uh, and that people continue to take PrEP if they're using it um, because as a public health intervention, it's a really important thing. Uh, and so we expect that the results of the advanced study will be published in scientific journals in the near future. Thank you, Dr. Marks. Let's jump back to present day and dive a bit deeper into the new recommendations. The new FDA guidance uses individual risk-based questions. Can you describe these new risk-based questions? So the intent of uh, the individual risk assessment is to be able to ask everyone the same set of uh, questions regardless of their uh, sexual orientation, sex, gender. And the idea is that all prospective donors who report having a new sexual partner or more than one sexual partner in the past three months and who have had anal sex in the past three months would be deferred to reduce the likelihood of donations by individuals with new or recent HIV infection who may be in the window period, that is the period when the test can't detect HIV, for uh, uh, detecting HIV by nucleic acid testing. So there's a period during which our very sensitive tests can't actually pick up HIV. It's a very short period, but by asking these individual risk assessment questions, they help us make the blood supply even safer by having people who could have very recently been infected not donate blood. And additionally, under these recommendations, uh, those taking medications to treat or prevent HIV infection 
for example, antiretroviral therapy or pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP or post-exposure prophylaxis or PEP will also be deferred. And it's, again, as I've already said, these are really important uh, public health interventions. And although these antiretroviral drugs are safe, effective, and really important to prevent the spread of HIV, they also cause it to be harder to detect HIV in the blood that's donated. And because of that, we have to ask people who are taking those not to donate. Now, that doesn't mean that people should stop taking those medicines to donate. If you're taking those medicines, it's because you have a reason to be taking them, and so you should continue taking PrEP if you're taking it. On the other hand, that's just a, a way that we can make sure by having people not taking PrEP that if there is HIV in the blood that's donated, we can detect it. So with the new recommendations, there is still a three-month deferral in place for individuals who are considered at high risk for HIV transmission. Can you talk about the reasoning behind the three-month deferral? Yeah, thanks very much. First of all, there are certain other conditions uh, or situations uh, like people who exchange drugs for uh, money or sex or, or people who are commercial sex workers where there still is a risk, and we don't have the data to move yet to an individual risk assessment for those people. Additionally, there are other infectious diseases besides HIV, uh, like hepatitis, that we have to make sure uh, that we help prevent uh, the transmission of. So that combination has led us to have that three-month deferral in place for certain other groups. That's not to say that we won't have progress in the future to move uh, towards uh, other uh, deferral intervals or other uh, individual risk assessments for those individuals. It's just that right now, we could only go so far with the science at hand. Is there an example of a donor risk questionnaire that the FDA will provide to blood donation centers? Uh, yes, and in fact, the, there is a essentially a standardized donor history questionnaire that's been uh, something that we've had for many years. And as we posted our final guidance moving to the individual risk assessment on May 11th, 2023, we also updated our guidance on that donor history questionnaire, uh, and that, uh, that guidance is uh, implementation of acceptable full-length and abbreviated donor history questionnaires and accompanying materials for use in screening donors of blood and blood components. And that recognizes as acceptable the standard full-length and abbreviated donor history questionnaires and accompanying materials that are prepared by the AABB uh, donor History Task Force. The AABB is a group of blood collectors uh, that uh, band together uh, to work together towards issues around blood safety and uh, blood supply. And if anyone's interested, uh, those uh, donor history questionnaire documents are accessible on FDA's website. Well, Dr. Marks, I think this is a good place to wrap up our discussion for today. Thank you so much for joining us for this very important discussion. Thanks so much for speaking today. I also want to let our listeners know if they would like more information about blood donation, they can visit www.hhs.gov forward slash giving equals living. For more information about the Health Equity Forum podcast series, visit our website at www.fda.gov forward slash health equity. While you're there, check out our library of resources and sign up for our newsletter. 
Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FDA Health Equity. Remember, working together, we can create a world where health equity is a reality for all.